Do plants remind you of people or do people remind you of plants? Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on seven and a half acres out in the country. And I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. We call ourselves Garden Angelus because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we want you to love it too. Yes, we do. And we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, even the ugly. But that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Hello, Dee. Hello, Carol. How are you today? A little punchy. I just got back in town. So how was your garden? How is my garden? Oh, it's been a busy week. Dee, I spent most of the week inside at the GardenCom virtual conference in front of my screen, which was loads of fun, but a lot of screen time, which for most of the days, it was pretty hot out, so I didn't really mind. But the good news from the garden, yeah, I got my three first three big tomatoes. I have lots of cherry tomatoes, but I need some people to send me some rain. Yeah. There hasn't been much rain come there. By the way, it rained here while I was out of town. Go figure. Don't ask me. I don't know. This year's weather is crazy. Well, I got 0.15 inches of rain, I think, Friday night into Saturday. Before that, it's just been it's been less than a tenth of an inch in any given time. I mean, just a spit is all I call it. Yeah, that's not enough. No. But you had a big week, too, but not in your garden. No, I rode with my husband all the way up to Sturgis for bike week. And um, while I was gone, so I was up there for bike week. While I was gone, I kept getting these texts and Facebook messages and calls. (laughs) And it was all about fall army worms. And I was like, those are horrible things. Yeah. Well, they have um, invaded Oklahoma. And I was on the back of a motorcycle, so I couldn't do much research. So when I got back today, before we recorded, I interviewed a friend of mine. Her name is Julia Laughlin. She's the Oklahoma County Extension Horticulture Educator. And Julia, I texted her and I was like, I'm sorry to bother you on a Sunday because we're recording on Sunday. But I said, I got to talk about this on the podcast this week because everybody's freaking out. Um, I came home and yes, there's army worms all over my grass too. They can be... uh, a real problem, especially in a year called an army worm complex. And My I said, goodness. In other words, an invasion. <laughs> I just, I know what army worms are, but I just don't think we got a bunch. I'll have to look oh. up Indiana. I just went out and handpicked a bunch of mine just to look at them, you know, and they're it's gross. Sort of sati- it's kind of satisfying to pick them. <laughs> but of course, it's not effective. Um, so lots and lots of people have been asking me what to spray and I don't spray things. I I just don't spray unless I just have to, but if you're organic and you feel the need to spray, which I could understand why you would, because they are devastating. Although by the time they hit your yard and you really notice it, you're not going to be able to probably save the top growth of the grass. The good news is in the sun, the grass that they love, one of the grasses they love so much is Bermuda and Bermuda has stalliniferous roots and so it will grow back that's good that is good news for the bermuda grass people it is which is most of oklahoma in the sun 
The bad news is fescue. I asked Julia about it and Julia said, yeah, sometimes they can eat fescue to the point where they kill it out. We have not done that in my garden so far in my yard. We we occasionally have that um, with the Japanese beetle larva will kill out the roots because they are underground and they're eating all the roots of the grass. So if you have a big area of grass that dries out and you could just sort of pull it up and there's no roots down there, just dig a little bit and you'll find those stinking larvas. Yeah. And this is different in that they are on the surface of the ground and they eat all of the foliage, but with a turf grass that doesn't have roots that are, you know, Stalins um, and it's a clumping grass. So they can kill fescue above ground and, and it's roots. It just can't get enough energy up to grow itself again. Okay. Yep. So you can, you can reseed in the fall, which you're supposed to reseed it anyway, but here's the problem. We won't be rid of these until frost, the first good hard frost, and then they'll be gone. They do not overwinter in the soil. That's a good thing. That is good. They move on. This doesn't happen every year. It happens about every five years. Um, so here's the thing. If you feel like you have to spray, if you will spray it with BT, it will only kill caterpillars. If you're going to do that, this is from Julia. If you're going to do that, it's obviously you want to spray this organic uh, bacteria. Sorry, I'm a little punchy because I've been up since 2.30. You want to spray this bacteria on just that area. You don't want to have a bunch of overspray because if you have a bunch of overspray, that could hurt other caterpillars for butterflies and moths. Like, Like monarchs. Yeah, like monarchs or, you know, all the things, black swallowtails. Just take your pick right now because we have gulf fritillaries. We have every butterfly out there right now. So you want to be really careful um, that now BT only works when the creature starts to eat it, when the caterpillar or worm starts to eat it. So um, you could do that. You could also do a broad spectrum pesticide, um, but I suggest you don't because that the word broad spectrum means it kills everything. Um, you don't want to kill everything. So I'm going to link to a fact sheet on fall armyworms from the, from Oklahoma State University. I also, thanks to my friend Karen Collier, who's a master gardener, there's another new one that shows the eggs of the armyworms and a bunch of other stuff that hasn't gotten online. If you guys want that, email us at thegardenangelists at gmail.com and we will be glad to send it to you. We meaning me, because I have it as an attachment. Okay. Um, this the one quick thing. This is not so devastating for people's lawns. It's really irritating and it upsets all. A, a lot of husbands are very upset, according to my friends. Um, but while it's irritating to homeowners, it can be really devastating to farmers because these army worms go after lots and lots of crops, including alfalfa. So that's- well, yeah. And I'm just looking up. I saw a Purdue article here about fall army worm on corn. Yeah, they're really bad on corn, especially the one if there's a corn armyworm and there's a rice armyworm, which I didn't know until I read this newest fact sheet. Apparently, the ones we have right now are probably rice ones, but, you know, until somebody tests them extensively. Anyway, I drowned the ones that I handpicked and I found that very satisfying. That is very satisfying. I will find a link for Indiana people, which will cover the Midwest. Um, Although I don't think you guys are going to have problems with them like that. We only get these problems every so often when they come out of the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, because I, I just don't think of army worms as being a grass pest in Indiana. But if, I'll do if, research. If you, have, if you have Bermuda, don't worry about it. It'll look bad, but it's going to turn brown anyway because it's fall. 
Okay. That's all of that. I'm sorry. That was so long, but I felt like it was something I had to address. Hey, you want to talk about the quote? I'll do the quote. That'll get us our minds off. Yeah, Let's just move away from those gross army worms. If dandelions were hard to grow, they would be most welcome on any lawn. (laughs) And that's from Andrew Moore, Andrew Mason, who published that in the Reader's Digest in 1991. And isn't that the truth? That is the absolute truth. (laughs) So uh, maybe next week I'll tell my dandelion story that I told you last week. I don't yeah. have, we don't have time this week. I tell it next week. Okay. So we were going to talk about li- weird little bulbs that you plant that then become late summer, fall flowers. And uh, that's like colchicums, autumn crocus. And I have this sweet little flower out there now called Bernardia. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to talk about colchicums and autumn crocus today. I just want to talk about, yeah. but I just want to talk about this sweet little Bernardia which is also known as Japanese janseth. And it's a little flower. And I think it's a raceme. Remember when we talked about all those flower types, it's a little raceme. And it's one of those flowers. It's got these little light lilac, I'll call them florets on it. And they almost sparkle. And you kind of think that the thing has got um, glitter on it, that it's got glitter on it. Mm Mm-hmm. But the real important thing about this flower, because it's not, you know, you wouldn't plant it and say, oh, my gosh, waves and waves of it. I've just got a little clump, but I got it as a pass along plant from the Elizabeth Lawrence Garden in Charlotte, North Carolina. I don't know how you managed that, but you go, girl. Well, how I managed it was, you know, I wrote on my blog about Elizabeth Lawrence forever and a day. Yep. And Garden Bloggers Bloom Day, which is today that we are recording the 15th. Is kind of inspired by a quote from Elizabeth Lawrence. We can have flowers nearly every month of the year. Right. So the curator of that garden knows me, Andrea. She knows me from that blog and I visited twice. And so the last time I visited was in early September, like, I don't know, six or seven years ago. And this little flower is blooming. I'm like, oh, what is that? I want that. She told Mm -hmm. me and then she just dug some up. Gave it to I me. do that for people all the time. I do when they come yeah. visit. I dig up stuff for them because, yeah. um, or, or I snap off, you know, stems of begonias or whatever, because I think a garden is meant to be shared. It is meant to be shared. And so what's your, what's your special pass along flower? Well, I said phlox paniculata. I have one that's pink. You know, the purple one is a, the really common purple one is a thing and it's a pass along plant. But I have one that's pink, and it was given to me by Katie Miller, who was a friend of mine, and she got it from a lady who got it from a lady in Louisiana. And so mine's pinker than the purple one. And it, the reason I probably thought about it, it's not a bulb. The reason I probably thought about it was because it's blooming still, and it blooms a really long time. It smells good. It attracts hummingbird moths as a classification of moths. That's a bunch of different ones. And it also attracts a lot of butterflies. So what a great plant. It that is free. a great plant. I just thought of another pass along plant I have. What? And that that's from my old neighbor who was taking care of his mom at a retirement center, not far from here. Mm-hmm. And he calls me one day and he says, I've got this little allium that I've been growing in a container, you know, in it's fall, going to dump the container on his mother's patio. Do you want the bulbs? Yes. So it was allium millennium, which was perennial plant of the year several years ago. Mine's blooming right now. Mine is blooming right now. 
anyway, the so he gave me in like two huge clumps of these bulbs because it forms all these, ex, you know, keeps forming yeah, bulbs. Makes little clumps. Yeah. I, I split that thing out and I wrote it up along this flower bed and around this other flower bed and another flower bed, you know. And so I have a blooming like in five places mm-hmm. in my garden. So I have four, I think. And they're beautiful, long rows of them, and they make a nice uh, border on the border. Yeah, of the and they're fit. basically, because they're an allium, they're basically deer proof, which is yeah. another great quality. The I've given them, love them. I've given them to my three sisters. And this guy, he um, lives in New York City most of the year, but he bought a house not far from here in the town we grew up in. And so I took him back some of his allium. Hey, I said, you remember these? I got to give them back to you. That's awesome. And there's some new ones out. There are some newer varieties than Millennium, which we weren't going to talk about Millennium, so I didn't look them up. But there's Don't look some them up. Varieties. Don't look them up. They're not right pass-alongs. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I got so much stuff now. I don't need any more stuff. Yeah, you but do. I have a bunch of plants that are pass-alongs. And you know what? They often tend to be the best plants. They do. Unless, of course, they're mint. Don't take mint from someone. No. But um, I mean, if you have a pass along plant that someone gave you and then you have a chance to give it back, does that make it a ricochet plant? Yeah, I say so. Why not? Bing, exactly. Bing. To, I have to give a shout out to Kathy at Cold Climate Gardening because in my garden, Colchicums, she sent mm-hmm. me bulbs for Colchicums before, which are very nice because Colchicums are not the cheapest bulb to buy. And then, no, it is very nice of her. And she sent them here too. And they all died here. So I don't right think here. Is the best place for colchicums, but Indiana is. Indiana is a great place. And then she sent me some bloodroot, which oh, uh, nice. sanguinea canadensis or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little white flower in the spring. And uh, the foliage has just now died back, which is pretty unusual for a spring ephemeral. But they kind of pop up and they call it bloodroot because when you, if you, were to dig out the root and snap it open, it would have a red sap. So anyway, I love pass along plants. And those were a couple of them that I thought about in my garden. And, you know, you can never have, well, you can't have too many pass along plants, especially the bad ones. I think over time, my garden has become basically pass along plants, although I still buy quite a few too, but I'm looking at it right now. And I'm like, a lot of the really successful stuff is pass along. Yeah. And I, I was thinking my surprise lilies, which are on the downward slope now, those I passed those along to my nephew and his wife. And at least one, two sisters probably have some surprise lilies from my garden. Wonderful, wonderful bulbs. So shall I do the next quote? You shall, because you came up with it, not me. Dear listeners, this one's all on D. Now go for it. I do not remember this quote at all. How can you tell a chili bean from a regular bean? The chili one wears a shawl. I think it's funny. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know it's by though. That's funny. I didn't come up with that. Did you come up with that? No, I didn't. So I don't know how it got in here. But that's okay. Need some we've got some garden fairy putting quotes in our stuff now. Maybe I did come up with that. It sounds more like you, honestly. Uh, it's a joke. I, I apologize. You like jokes. That's okay. It's a funny one in my opinion. So this is one of those we were gonna talk about cover crops, keep your garden clean. And how once a crop stops producing, you got to yank it out of there. And then in that blank space, you start planting cover crops and things to keep weeds down and to enrich the soil. And then I thought, no, we're not giving up on the season that early to start with our cover crops. We're okay. going to go right to Botanical Interest, our, one of our favorite seed companies. And they have a little thing called quick crops, which are crops that mature in less than 60 days. 
And uh, so we went out to their website and, you know, there's a lot of options here. A couple of them surprised me. Yeah, me too. I expected the lettuces and the arugulas and the kales and the spinach and the beets and things like that. But they have a canary tweedy melon on here. And I thought, there's no way you're planting a melon now and getting fruit. But they say 60 days. It would be worth trying. Yeah, especially if you live in southern Oklahoma. Yeah. It'd be a little iffy for me because, believe it or not, yeah. 60 days from now is October the 15th. Is that it's right? even iffy for me because ours is like October 20th. But like last year, remember, we had that giant freezing rain event and it, I don't remember the exact date, but it was it was not when it was supposed to happen. And I'm really surprised by the okra. But yeah, I was, I was looking at the okra. I'm thinking, hmm, okra in 60 days or less? Radishes, beets, lettuce, arugula. Those all sound really good. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is if you planted okra right now, the soil is so warm, it's going to pop right up. It is. And as long as the days stay warm and then you're going to get, you might get some little pods. Yeah. I planted okra about, I don't know, was it about a month ago? And and now I'm getting a lot of pods, but it's taken this long to start getting them. So that's just 30 um, days. If you said you planted it a month ago, it was about a month ago. It might've been a month and a half. Yeah, it might so be. 30 to 45, it might be right. I would say 45. It's probably a month and a half. You know, time flies when you're over 50. That's all I'm going to say. Does. Well, and they have a lot of uh, uh, zucchini type squashes, which I think if you planted some, you might get it. And they did say if you were getting squash bugs and stuff that you might have to put a row cover over it. Yeah. And you do get them here. I've got squash bugs right now. In fact, I got squash bugs. So here's the tip. Don't pull the old squash out and then replant in that same bed. You really need to plant someplace else because the squash bugs are there. So yeah. plant it someplace else. You don't want right. to cover it and make like a nice little house for the squash bugs to live in with the squash they're going to eat. Yes, I'm so good at that, making them little houses because I have mine in that um, that veg, veg pod. And it worked great last year and it worked okay this year, but then they got in there. So I'm going to have to wait a year before I use it again. Let them die off. You know, move so what I think I'm going to do, D, is I think my squash is pretty well kaput. And I think my green beans are pretty well kaput. I so I think own. what I'm going to do is clear off the squash and take all my leftover green bean seeds and put them where the squash was. And then where there was green beans, I'm going to try a couple hills of squash and see if I get anything before frost. I got the seed already. Might as well. Might as well. Might as well. Anyway, that is our garden. That is our vegetable garden topic is there's still time to plant some crops. Get out your old seeds and give it a try. And we're going to link to that botanical interest page. So that yes, works great too. Because if you don't have old seeds, you might go ahead and buy some. So now we're moving to on the bookshelf and you have a beautiful quote in here. I do. Did you put that in there? You, I'm sure I did. Okay. This one's not corny. So you probably put it in there. The butterfly counts not months, but moments and has time enough. And that is by Amy Nezukumatatil. Something like that. We probably are butchering Amy's name, but we're sorry. It's about, it's got a lot of letters and it's hard. So um, her book is called World of Wonders. And you and I personally have talked 
about this a lot between ourselves, this book. Yes. And I finally got to read it and I loved it. Um, Amy's a very interesting person. Yes, she is. Her, her mother was uh, from the Philippines and was a, is a, was a doctor. She's retired now. And her dad was originally from Indiana, India, not Indiana, India, India, hence her name. He was a physical therapist, respiratory therapist. I can't think of anything today. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) did you say she was a professor of English in the uh, master of fine arts program at the university of Mississippi? Yes, she is. And um, I loved that. She's, she's a very interesting person because since her parents were very scientifically based, they were very interested in biological things and botanical things. Yes. And so World of Wonders, I, I don't know how to describe this book. It's beautiful. The writing is beautiful. So that's how I would describe it. And here's why I tell people, I know it's a good book. I checked it out from the library on my Kindle. Mm-hmm. I got halfway through with it and I went out to bookshop.org to order a copy to have forever. Mm-hmm. And they were on back order. So wow. I'm not surprised. I, I emailed the wild geese bookshop down in Franklin. And I said, do you happen to have a copy on the shelf? And she said, we do. So they held it for me and I went down and got it. So I ordered mine. No, I didn't order mine. I bought mine at Barnes and Noble. That's where I saw it with those other things that I thought were really beautiful, including my puzzle that I Barnes and Noble. They, I think for 2020, this was like their book of the year. The one that was like front and center in every single store. Cause I did later go in Barnes and Noble and see stacks of them. Okay. So that must be, there was only one there and I actually saw it. And I said, is this that book you were talking about that time? And you said, yes. yes. And there are drawings in it. Did Amy do the drawings too? I do I not don't think she did, she did the drawings. There's some, there's some beautiful drawings. It's a book of essays is what it is. And it is not preachy, no. um, but it is very life affirming. And yes. it's all, and she relates things about her own life in reference to creatures that live in our world or plants. And I don't know, I, I'm not doing it very, I'm not doing it justice, but she's a beautiful writer. Yes. And she manages to weave her own story in with it. And it's just touching. It is touching. And the illustrations were done by Fumi Mini Nakamura. Nakamura. So the, someone else did those. So here's the thing I'd say about Amy. The writing is beautiful because she is originally mostly known for her poetry. Yeah, she's a poet. So she writes like a poet. It's beautiful. And sometimes you're just looking for... I want to read something that I know is beautifully written and sort of soothing to the mind. That is this book. And you can just pick it up and read any chapter. And it's small. It's like something you could read before bed and it won't upset you. It'll be a oh. good thing. So and it's a good, it's a good series of essays and it's not a huge book either. It kind of fits in with our summer read program. Right. And you can go out to YouTube and you do a search for Amy on YouTube. And there are several videos of her doing interviews about the time the book came out. And uh, they're very, very lovely to listen to and to find out more about her and her book. So there you go. That's our book. So we, World of Wonders by Amy Nezukumatatil. How'd I do? Yeah, you did better. You did good. I don't know how it's pronounced. I looked everywhere for somebody who had pronounced it. Like at a TED Talk or something, I couldn't find it. All right. So do you want me to do the next quote? 
Yeah, you got the quote in the dirt. Go for it. If you build it, he will come. It's from the Field of Dreams movie from 1989. I I know a lot of people loved that movie. I loved that movie. Um, it had Kevin Costner in it, and it won a bunch of awards in 1989, the year I married Bill. So that would be 32 years ago. So last, while we were in Sturgis, we went home one evening. It was Thursday, and the Field of Dreams Major League Baseball game was on, and they made a field. They made a baseball diamond in the middle of an Iowa cornfield that is only a little ways down from where the movie was actually filmed. Right. And so but I wait a minute, D. Uh, they didn't just put a little baseball field in there. It's huge. They put a miniature temporary stadium that seats 8,000 people. Right. And 8,000 people came. And you had to be a resident of Iowa to get a ticket. You did. Because people wanted to go from all over the world. And they said, nope. Only people from Iowa, because the people of Iowa really got behind this deal. And actually, it was the idea of a lady. And I i don't think I wrote down her name. theres You'll have to look her up. She actually died before it was able to happen. But she owned, I think she owned the property where the actual stadium was put in. And she came up with the idea and she worked with the MLB to try to get it done. In the meantime, when they finally decided they were actually going to do it, the game they played was between the Chicago White Sox and the New York Yankees. And so I'm watching the I'm watching the game and I'm loving the game. The game's a blast because everybody's wearing antique uniforms and they turn the numbers on the scoreboard. Cool. I mean, it was just really fun. And and that game was fun, period, because they hit the ball like crazy. I don't know what was going on that night, but everybody had dreams. The magic. The ball. It's the magic. So it was really it was magical for sure. And so I was listening and I heard the Fox dugout reporter, Ken Rosenthal, say, Andy and Adam, they're brothers. They're local farmers who rent the Field of Dreams site to grow the crop. And they have worked toward this day since 2019 with MLB. Well, of course, my ears perked up because now we're talking gardening, right? Exactly. We're talking crops. Crops, corn. And so right before the game happened, there was a great big, huge storm and it flattened a bunch of the corn. Oh, no, because, you know, nature. And so these two guys (laughs) worked really hard and they got 1,100 fiberglass rods, zip ties, and the two of them went around from Tuesday and, and then through Wednesday. And they propped up all that corn with zip ties. I thought that was the coolest story. That is because, you know, they knew this thing was going to be internationally shown. And you want to show your corn all flat to the ground? No, you want it to be standing tall. You do want it to be standing tall. And the two guys, I mean, that was beautiful corn. Iowa grows some gorgeous corn. They they have a lot of the perfect, you know, they have the perfect weather normally. So I just thought that was the coolest story. That is a very cool story. I thank you for sharing it. I wouldn't have known about it otherwise. Yeah, I was texting you from our hotel. So what's your rabbit hole this week? So you went down a rabbit hole of army worms. So I got the strangest email and it was like, hmm, is this one of those Nigerian prince wants a bunch of money? emails and I decided it wasn't. So this, I got this email and I'm going to read it to you. It says, I am Powell, professor of graphic design history at the faculty of fine arts, university of Barcelona. I also do research on turn of the 18th. I'm sorry, turn of the 19th to 20th century illustrators and pioneer graphic designers, especially the ones devoted to advertising and publishing works. 
searching for some information about the British poster artist, William S. Rogers. I came to your nice website and found this post. He found a post from 2011 that I had written about a garden writer named Ida Bennett. I remember Ida Bennett. I went down a rabbit hole with her. And at the end of the post, I mentioned, I just said, that I had this book by this William Snow Rogers, and I was afraid to open it because if it was another rabbit hole, I just didn't have time. So I had put that as like as an aside at the end of the post. Well, I remember this woman and she was the great, great granddaughter of William Snow Rogers, who was very interested because she realized that he had written a book that she didn't know about. And so oh, we, we emailed back and forth a little bit. So anyway, this the pal, the professor from uh, Barcelona, is trying to find her. He wants to write a biography about William Snow because that's what he does. And so I was able to go through old emails and find this woman's last name. And so I sent him the email I had and her last name. And he said the email bounced back. So he put another comment on my post, which I went ahead and approved. This says, hey, Penny. I'm looking for you. Oh, wow. That is so cool. So that was my rabbit hole. A little, you know, not a deep one, but it was like, you just never know who's reading your blog posts or what kind of hits you're going to get in the search engines. And it's amazing. This professor in Barcelona who writes histories of graphic designers run into my Ida Bennett post from 2011. You You never know who's reading your blog, man. That's true. Anyway. For us not having much to talk about, we're about out of time, Dee. So what are you going to do in your garden this week? Well, I'm babysitting all week except for two days because anyway, I I have to babysit. Um, But I'm going to try to get caught up. So I probably won't get much done. I'll be honest. I probably won't get much done, Carol. I didn't get much done last week. But this week, I need to water and weed, then water and harvest, water and deadhead, water and mow. Pretty much water. Yeah. In between everything else. And then anyway, I'll tell you something and we'll talk about it next week. That'll be our teaser that Carol's going to talk to Dee about something and then tell you about it next week. Anyway, thank you for listening to the Garden Angelus. If you like our podcast, please tell your friends about us. Also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And if you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review. That helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your gardening friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. Yes, and be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we are in a small commission and it costs you nothing. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate today. Bye until next week. Bye, everybody.